Welcome to Red Carpet Retirement. This podcast is all about helping business owners and those in the entertainment and creative industries secure and protect their financial future. We provide educational stories and specific strategies so you can achieve the red carpet retirement you so richly deserve. Now here's your host, Adam Scott. Good morning and welcome to the next episode of Red Carpet Retirement. Something's changed here. It's me, Adam Scott, introducing my own show. Sadly, my wonderful co-host, Eric, has moved on to different pastures. Well, maybe we'll talk more about that later. But in his place, I have a new wonderful producer called Patrice. Patrice, welcome. Hello. How are you doing? And yes, we do miss Eric, Adam, very much. But I'll tell you, I think he's doing something that's close and dear to his heart. And I, I applaud him for that. Yeah, I'll just give him a shout out that, I mean, Eric, obviously, he's a wonderful, he's a really amazing human being, as people who've listened to the podcast before know. And he helps out at Boys Town. He, mm-hmm. uh, can you explain a bit more about, about that, Patrice, and what Eric does? He and his wife, Candy, have become, I believe it's called family teachers. Basically, they have a house and they have boys in the house. A boys club, or rather, Boys Town is not just boys anymore, it's also girls but the houses are segregated. So you've got boys in their house and they teach them how to be human beings, how to be responsible young men. They bring them up, they show them the ropes and uh, they are very, they're loving, but they're also disciplinarians. And that is their task to show these young men, this is your role in life. This is how you should treat people. And this is how you should treat yourself. Right. So Boys Town is their, their foster children or their people, who, young kids who come out of remand facilities? They're not foster children specifically. They are people who come out of uh, bad situations, be it a youth detention center, be it a bad family, whatever. They have been referred there through some process and they, I believe, have to be vetted before they are brought in. And as, as Eric told me, you get one strike. That's it. You mess up, you're out and you don't get a chance right. to come back again. Right. Right. Anyway, so yeah, amazing um, commitment and dedication. We applaud him for taking that on. So today we are going to be talking about Roth conversions. Now, Roth conversions are always important and for any retirement saver, but this year they could be of particular interest to the entertainment industry, which has gone through a brutal strike and why is that the case? Why are they particularly good for this kind of year? Because the way that I put it, Patrice, is that Roth conversions are a way of making financial lemons into financial lemonade, right? You can take a terrible financial situation and make a bright and sparkling <laughs> future. Well, I, I'm lots of people are going to be sitting up and saying, oh, really? Because I'm sure it's not just the entertainment industry. There are people out there who have had a probably a tough year. So, Adam, what makes the difference? You've got a tough year. How do you turn it around? Right. So I'm going to tell you a little story to set this up and explain the impact that it can make. First of all, I'm going to explain what a Roth conversion is, Patrice. So a Roth conversion is you take a regular IRA or it, it could be a 401k and you convert part of it or all of it into a Roth IRA. Now, this means that you have to pay tax on it, right? So you're going to get a tax hit and you've got to be very careful because I say there are lots of landmines 
that you can step on when you do this process. So later in the in the podcast, we're going to talk about the landmines. You've got to be really careful not to step on so you don't blow the whole thing up. Hmm. But if done effectively and properly, as I say, you're going to turn those lemons into lemonade. So my story, just to give an example, is if we roll back the years to around 2009, there was a youngish man who became my client, but at the time he wasn't my client. And he was what we call a do-it-yourselfer. And he thought that he was very clever, that he did this Roth conversion in 2009 on his regular IRA, uh, that why was 2009 a good year to do such a Roth conversion? A couple of reasons. First of all, the young man was in the entertainment industry. He was out of work. He didn't earn any money in 2009. So he was in a low tax bracket. The other thing was, his account had dropped precipitously, right? He'd had, mm -hmm. he thought he was really successful, right? Then combined, he'd had a million dollars in assets. It collapsed to, we'll say, around $100,000 in assets yeah, in 2009. So he took his IRA, we'll say it was worth around $30,000, and he converted it into a Roth, and he paid the tax on it. Now, what he didn't do was he also had what's called a SEP IRA that was worth about $70,000. And he didn't convert the SEP because at the time, the rules didn't allow him to convert a SEP. Now, what he didn't realize is that the rules changed, or I think they'd already changed, but he didn't convert that SEP. He became a client of about three years later, but when he became a client, he was earning a lot of money or a lot more money, and he had kids in college and was getting financial aid. And if he converted that SEP later, he was going to pay a lot of tax on it because he was in a higher tax bracket. He was also going to lose the financial aid that he was getting for his kids' college because it would put him in into an even higher income bracket. So he didn't convert that $70,000. Now, today, that $70,000 is worth a million dollars, right? And if he had done a Roth conversion on the $70,000 and paid tax on $70,000, he would now have a million dollars. Tax-free. Tax-free, tax right? Mm. And he's now in a high income tax bracket. So he, when he takes that, he's nearing retirement. And when he retires, he's going to be taking, he's going to have. Oh, dear. Yeah. He's going to have large distributions from a million-dollar IRA in a high tax bracket that he could have converted many years ago when it was much smaller and he was in a very low tax bracket. Now, the good news is that $30,000 one is worth like $700,000, a $700,000 Roth IRA. So he does have $700,000 of tax-free money, but he could have had $1.7 million of tax-free money. Right, right. And I think maybe we should set the ground rules here. The Roth, you pay your taxes up front. A regular IRA, you do not. You pay it later on. So you pay them up front. As you said, you feel that pain, you take it, but later on, it's it's sugar. Right, right. Exactly. Yep. You take your medicine now with the taxes. Again, only if it makes sense, only in a right. year like this. So the irony is, or the coincidence is, this young man he was in the movie industry and he didn't have any income because there was a writer's strike in 2009. So that's why it was a perfect year to do mm -hmm. a Roth conversion. So this year, there are many people in the entertainment industry, they've had no income. 
it could be a perfect year to do a Roth conversion and pay the taxes now so that they're not going to have to pay the taxes later in life. How do you explain that the pain now will be so much so much joy later on? <laughs> <laughs> right. And you have to be very careful, right? Because you've got to do the calculations. You've got to make sure that you're that you're going to be doing the Roth conversion and that you're going to be in a low tax bracket because when you when you do it and you've got to calculate how much you can do it and of course that's what we're here for right mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's you'd want to talk to your accountant to your CPA or to your financial advisor to figure out exactly how much you can do so that you're going to be paying very little tax on that Roth conversion you don't want to do a whole lot where you're going to get a big tax hit all right now adam this is you know, you, you had the example there in the entertainment industry, but this is something that everyone can take advantage of, correct? Right, right, Patrice. Everybody, anybody can take advantage of it. They've just got to be, it's got to be in the right situation when they're in a low tax bracket and they fear that they're going to be in a high tax bracket or a higher tax bracket later in life. What about widows? Is there right. a penalty here? Right. Yeah. Exactly, Patrice. So you bring up something that people have to be particularly careful of, which is the widow's penalty. The widow's penalty results from the fact that when the first spouse dies in a couple, in a retired couple, we'll say, that the second spouse is immediately going to be pushed into a much higher tax bracket. Then no longer going to have the exemption from their mm -hmm. partner, from their deceased partner, right? So let's say their their exemption currently is like $30,000, that the standard exemption is, say, around $30,000. That's going to drop down to $15,000. So now the widow is paying tax on an extra $15,000 they didn't used to have to pay tax on. In addition to that, they're now a single person receiving the oh, same yes. amount of money. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Single so versus this, married, you are... Right, exactly. So a single person for the same amount of income pays much higher taxes, right? So suddenly the widow is maybe receiving the same amount of income, right? And so she's automatically pushed into a much higher tax bracket. Now, we call it the widow's penalty, and I keep saying she, because often it is the woman that outlives the man. But it works either way, right? If the man outlives the wife, he is going to be pushed into a much higher tax bracket. So it can have a benefit to do this Roth conversion for a married couple. Even if they're not in a super low tax bracket, it can still make sense to do it to avoid the surviving partner ultimately paying out tax at a much higher tax rate. Hmm. If you don't like your partner, you don't do it. Make them suffer later on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. And All right. Patrice, and there's a great time to be doing this kind of Roth conversion, which is what we call the golden decade for retirees. We used to call it the golden decade. The golden decade is from age 60 to age 70, or it was. And do you know why age 70 is the end of the golden decade, Patrice? Social security. That's right. That's right. So a retiree might be advised to push off claiming their social security to age 70. And let's say the retire early at age 60. Well, from age 60 to age 70, they're not getting any income, right? Mm. In fact, uh, it reminds me of a old joke, Patrice. <laughs> what is the quickest way to reduce your taxes? 
I don't know, Adam. What is it? Stop working. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So from the age of 60, if you've stopped working at 60 to the age of 70, that if you're not claiming Social Security, you've drastically reduced your income and reduced your taxes. So that could be a great time to be doing Roth conversions. Now, it used to be that what we call required minimum distributions happened at age 70. So that was another source of income. Now that's been pushed off to age 73. Mm -hmm. So you've got a slightly longer window to be doing these Roth conversions. But ideally, you do them before Social Security even kicks in. But going back to the golden decade, that's why we called it the golden decade. From age 60 to age 70 is the ideal time to be doing Roth conversions. If you wait to claim your Social Security, because you're going to be in a very low tax bracket. And let's say you've got, again, a million or a couple of million dollars in IRAs. When you have to start taking those required minimum distributions, you're going to be paying a very heavy tax bill on those. And you're also going to be paying a heavy tax bill on your Medicare. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You want to explain a bit more about that, Patrice? Well, it depends on your income, how much Medicare is not free. Some people think it is free. It is not. Uh, you get your part A, you've got your part B, and then you have to cover the rest, C, D, whatever letters they want to put on it. You are going to be charged for that coverage, and that will depend on your income. Right. Uh, absolutely. So if you end up having really high RMDs from your IRAs, mm -hmm. then you are more likely to have to pay an extra Medicare premium. So the more that you can convert in that golden decade into a Roth IRA, which isn't taxable, the lower will be your taxable income when you file your tax returns during retirement, right. and the less likely you are to have to pay those Medicare extra premiums. Right. You know, having said that, when you do the Roth conversions, if you are claiming Social Security already, and if you're already on Medicare, you also have to be very careful about the amount that you do. Because that's going back to the landmine. That's one of the landmines you can step on when you're doing a Roth conversion is you do so much that you end up incurring Medicare, extra Medicare premiums. And you mentioned the, the financial aid that that one client had to deal with uh, for college. Talk a little bit more about that. Right, right. So again, this client was earning more income. Um, so they were in a higher tax bracket, but they weren't in like in a super high tax bracket and they weren't earning a super amount of income. And they had they had a couple of kids in college. So they actually qualified for a certain amount of financial aid. But if they went ahead and did say, let, let's say, a $100,000 Roth conversion in one year, that's $100,000 of income that gets added to their tax return. Mm -hmm. And the financial you know, aid office looks at that tax return. And to them, they don't care whether it's a Roth, if it was a Roth conversion, that $100,000 on their tax return to the financial aid office is an extra $100,000. And they say, oh, okay, you've got an extra $100,000 of income. You can now pay a chunk of that in fees instead right. of getting financial aid. Right. Now, you're in California. Is there a, I mean, California's, I won't say they're noted for their taxes, uh, but they're not far behind. I mean, what, uh, what tax implications might there be in the state? 
Right. Well, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Patrice. So another thing to think about is what state are you resident in uh, when you are doing these Roth conversions and where may you end up later? So let's say you do live in California uh, where you're paying, say, we'll say 9.6% state tax in addition to whatever federal tax you're paying. And let's say you're, you're paying, um, well, we'll just call it an extra you know, 9.6% tax, 10% tax. That let's say, just for the sake of example, that you did a $100,000 Roth conversion, which you probably didn't want to do. You wouldn't want to do that big a chunk probably in one go. But let's say you did. That's $10,000 in extra tax that you're paying. But maybe you're going to retire in Nevada or you're going to retire in the state of Washington where there's no state tax. So you are now paying the state of California $10,000, whereas if you had just waited and not done a Roth conversion and pulled that out of your IRA later, you wouldn't have been paying any state tax on that, right? You just went and paid state tax unnecessarily because you did the Roth conversion in California. Now, if you're going to stay in California, it doesn't make any difference. Or if you're already in Nevada or Washington, it doesn't make any difference. But if you think you're going to end up living in a different state, you need to take that into account in your calculations. Again, to be honest, you shouldn't do this at home. You know, it's it's uh, it's a bit like the jackass uh, stunts where you see the guy jumping off the roof into the pool and they say, don't try this at home. <laughs> and this is also something that you really need to think about before you you jump. I mean, as you say, get a professional to help you think it through. This is not something you just say, oh, I'm going to do it. Right, right. Uh, and and if you are going to if you are going to do it yourself, just do it with a fairly small sum. You know, be really cautious about it because even we we find it tricky to do these calculations. There, there's so many landmines as I say we can step on. You know, another landmine that you can step on if you are already retired, if you're receiving social security is what I call the social security tax hump. And that is this strange thing where your marginal tax rate, what we call your marginal tax rate, you know, the, the amount of tax you pay on the next dollar of income really jumps in the middle of Social Security. That you can pay very little tax if all you're getting is Social Security, but the more income you receive, the more your Social Security is taxed. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a camel's hump in the middle as you're getting more income, where suddenly the tax on that social security really jumps sky high. And it's too tricky to really go into explaining why that happens here. But you've got to be very careful thinking, oh, I'm going to do a, a Roth conversion and not realizing you're suddenly creating a huge tax hit on that social security without realizing it. So you need some fairly sophisticated software to understand that and make sure you're avoiding the camel's hump. Okay. Yep. You had mentioned very briefly when we were talking before we started recording tax arbitrage. Talk to me about that. Two tax and investment buckets? Oh, right. I would say that it's great to have these different buckets for your investments. You may still want to keep your pre-tax, some pre-tax money, you know, a pre-tax IRA. Yeah, you're going to be paying, you're going to have to take our RMDs and you're going to be paying tax on it, but you may want to keep some of that and also have the separate bucket of Roth IRA that's already had the tax paid because you can use these different buckets for different stages of retirement and you can use them to manage your taxes through retirement, right? If you're in a high tax 
year, then you try to not take money out of your IRA and you take it out of, of your Roth, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if you're in a low tax year, then you keep the money in your Roth and you take money out of your taxable account. And one other thing that can be really useful and valuable about keeping some money in your IRA is a lot of retirees are charitably inclined. And the IRA can be a great source of funds for giving to charity. Uh, you can use the money to make what we call qualified charitable distributions. And this means you take your RMD and instead of taking the RMD directly to yourself, you give part of your RMD or your whole RMD to a charity. And you, you therefore don't get taxed on that money. Because right now, if you take that money yourself and then you give it to charity, you are very unlikely to get a tax break, which is a little, again, complicated to explain. But most people currently, that they get an automatic standard exemption and their write-offs, such as charitable giving, is not high enough it's to put them over the limit where they'll get a tax break for their char charitable giving. So the only way you're going to get a tax break for your charitable giving is if you actually give your RMD to charity. So that is a reason for keeping some money in the IRA if you're charitably inclined. So in other words, that money has to go directly from the account to the charity. It cannot go. You cannot have that check cross your hand. It's got to go right to the charity. Right, right, absolutely, yeah, right. and uh, and again, it's a it, it's it's a slightly involved process, or that it's best that your financial advisor help you with that process. But if they haven't taught you about it, though, you definitely need to bring it up with them and say, "Hey, I've heard there's this thing you can do a qualified charitable distribution." And by the way, Patrice, for those who the term RMD, you know, I'm constantly surprised, of course, that people don't know what it is. So I'm going to explain, because I'm in this world, we use these terms every day, you think everybody knows what you're talking about. But an RMD, a required minimum distribution, in fact, Patrice, I'll let you explain what a required minimum distribution is. Oh, it's it's based on whatever this arcane formula is that the the government has. But once you hit 73 at this point, the money comes out of your retirement accounts whether you want it or not, it's going to come out and that becomes income. Right. Absolutely. The government, you know, the government wants its pound of flesh yep. sooner or later. It has allowed you to, to put money in pre-tax, i.e. tax-free into your retirement accounts, but eventually it wants to collect its taxes, its pound of flesh. It used to start at age 70. It's now been put off to age 72 three, that you are required to take a minimum distribution, a minimum amount out of your IRA every year. And it's about 4%. But as you, uh, as you grow older, the formula changes and you have mm. to take out more and more. And this does not affect Roth accounts because you've already paid the taxes. They don't care how long you keep that money because they've gotten, as you say, their pound of flesh. Right, right. Absolutely. Is there anything we haven't touched on here, Adam, that you really think we should before we wrap up? No, uh, I, th I think we've covered it, Patrice. And uh, I'll just right. say that, uh, again, going back to the Roth conversions, the government if you do the Roth conversion, you can give the government a smaller slice of your flesh, okay? 
<laughs> to avoid giving them more pounds of the flesh in retirement. So that's the beauty of Roth conversions. That's the idea is you're going to end up paying a, you know, a smaller lifetime tax bill by paying the, the government something, some flesh today. All right. Adam, how can listeners reach you if they've got questions? Well, they can go to the website, wellacrewealth.com, and uh, and they can reach out to us there. And they can also give us a call and they can ask directly for me on 310-220-4946. 310-220-4946. All right, listeners, follow this podcast, Red Carpet Retirement, to make sure you know when the next show is ready for you. And of course, share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you, Patrice, very much, and thank you to all of our listeners. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellacre Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content should not be considered as legal or tax advice, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and consult with your own legal and tax professionals before taking any action.